Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to the huddle. That's right, welcome back. If you forgot to move your clocks forward, this is now the second hour of the huddle. But if you missed the first hour, you can find our podcast up now on the free Odyssey app or whatever you get your podcast. We've been sharing some stories about Bud Grant, passed away yesterday at the age of 95. We'll do some more of that later on in this hour when former Vikings tight end Stu Voigt joins us as well. But we'll depart from that for a moment and talk a little college hockey and high school hockey. Jess Myers writes for the Rink Live, joins us this morning. Good morning, Jess. I was uh, I, I, The most that I can keep getting from this Gopher hockey team, men's team, as, as I continue to watch them is, I, I don't know if there's a team in college hockey that could truly beat them. They're just – that has happened. But they're playing so well, and everything seems to be coming together right now for them as they get ready to play for a Big Ten championship. But is there a team in the NCAA that can that that's going to really challenge them from a title at some point? Uh, uh, well, with that said, Dave, I think next Saturday will be a fantastic hockey game. I mean, Michigan yeah. has got a ton of talent. Um, I, I was jokingly saying that uh, Eric Portillo, Michigan's goalie, would be a perfect NHL goalie in about 1983. He's going to give up about four goals a game. He doesn't care because his team's going to score, you know, seven, six, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's just the way Michigan plays. So, hey, if you want entertaining hockey, nobody's locking it down uh, next Saturday when they play for the Big Ten title. Um, but last night was a real test for this Gopher team because if there's one Achilles heel they've had this season, it's coming off of breaks. They have looked really yes. rusty um, when, when they've had a few weeks off or a few days off or whatever it is. You know, they last night, by the time the game started, 8 p.m. last night, it had been more than two weeks since they played a game. And there were some concerns about that. And first period, as, as Bob Mosco said there in the clip, they, they saw the rust. They got down one nothing, And then they found their legs. And, man, is this team fun to watch when they, when they start cranking it up. Uh, Michigan State's coach said before the game, he said, we, we know there's a storm coming. We have to be prepared to weather the storm. And, man, the, the, the storm raged, and the Gophers kind of had their way after a slow start. Jess, you, you've watched a lot of hockey in your lifetime. Tell us a little bit about where does this Gopher team stand? Because we've talked about such the unbelievable scoring power that they do have and the talent that they've got. Where do you put them um, in, in, you know, in, in your record books as far as a team um, as of right now? Well, there's 102 Gopher teams if you go back in history, so I'll just rank them. Uh, we'll start with number 102. No, I'm kidding. 
this this is truly a championship caliber team. You know, they they have five national championships in this program. Uh, I would think, you know, if things go right in the next five games, and and to me that's crazy that there's five games at most left in this season if they get to the national championship game. But if if things go right, I think this will be ranked truly as one of the great gopher teams just because, as you talked about, Pete, there's that offense. You know, those top two lines are as good as anybody's top two lines in the country. But it's easy to forget the fact that, there are three guys playing defense on this team right now that could step right into NHL roles. And if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, you're kind of counting on Brock Faber to do that yes. maybe about a month from now uh, with the way he's playing and, and you know, the fact that, that Minnesota went out and traded for his rights over the summer. Th- that could be a, a, a neat story, too. You know, in the, in, in the fairy tale, you get a national championship and, and then, you, you, you know, you sign a contract and go right to the NHL, you know, a la Neil Broughton maybe 40 years ago or something. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice, right? Jess Myers joining us in the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline this morning from the Rink Live. Uh, Jess, let's talk about the women's hockey team. They are going to, uh, I believe they're going to play for an uh, WCHA title as well. But this week, the finalists for the Patty Kazmaier Trophy came out. And Taylor Heisey, nor Taylor Heisey or Grace Zumwinkle were in the top three. Uh, Grace Zumwinkle, phenomenal season. I, her statistics are great. I could see why she wasn't. I know Taylor Heisey's won it. But how in the world do you have the leading goal scorer in women's college hockey not in the top three for the Patty Kazmaier Award? Please explain someone, this one to me. Someone, <laughs> someone close to the Gopher program very diplomatically yesterday said to me, you know, nobody has won the uh, the Kazmaier Award in back-to-back years, and only one player has won it twice, and that was a long time ago. So there's kind of this general feeling that, well, Heisey won one already, so maybe we should spread it around. Um, that's nice. That's cute. All that. I, I absolutely disagree. <laughs> I, I, I think Taylor Heisey is uh, clearly uh, one of the top three players in the country. When you look at what she's did, uh, she's done – Coming back for another year, the, the creativity she has, and hey, from a media standpoint, she's a fantastic quote, too. So we all love talking to her, you know, yes. after every game. Um, and what's fun about Taylor Heisey is kind of the last two years, you know, she was expecting to be on the U.S. Olympic team last year and was one of the last cuts from that team. Didn't, uh, didn't you know, necessarily have a good tryout, and, and she didn't get to go over to China uh, with the Olympic team. She played all of last year with a real chip on her shoulder, and you could see that, you know, winning the, winning the Kazmaier Award last year. And that's really carried over. I mean, it's kind of an unfinished business thing. The fact that the Gophers came so close to getting to the Frozen Four last year and then, and then fell just short to win that game yesterday to get to the Frozen Four and also the fact that the Frozen Four is being played in Duluth this year. So there are going to be a lot of Gopher fans uh, making that trip up there next weekend uh, to, to root for this team. And, of course, this is the way hockey just seems to work, right? After all that work you do in the regular season, you get to the Frozen Four, and who do you have to play? One more time with the Badgers. Let's crank yep. it up. You know, the, of the, course. the border battle uh, on the biggest stage. So uh, a familiar foe, and that's going to be some really good hockey next weekend. I'm going to read to you from the Patty Kazmaier website. It says, as established in 98, presented annually to the top women's ice hockey player in Division One. Other selection criteria include outstanding individual team skill, sportsmanship, performance in the clutch, personal character, competitiveness, and love for hockey. Nowhere does it say you can't win it twice. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Pete, go ahead. Uh, her, uh, you know, her brothers are all college bas- or high school and, and college basketball players. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they thought she didn't love hockey enough. Maybe, oh my maybe that's my theory. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. 
I would say she's into it pretty big, but let me ask yeah, right? you a question then, Jess. <laughs> she probably <laughs> loves it a little. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, as far as Wisconsin goes, though, that has been a team that the Gophers have had a little bit of a struggle with. We've, we've lost to them. We've tied with them. We've beat them. But they are a team that seems to have the Gophers at least have uh, in a nervous spot. Do you feel like uh, that's something that is, is correct and it's going to be a heck of a fight? Well, absolutely, but I think this has been kind of a season of of putting demons away for this Gopher team. You know, uh, two weeks ago or, or a week ago, I think it was, WCHA championship game. They're ahead of Ohio State by two goals going into the third period. Everybody says, oh, this is great. People forget that one year earlier they were ahead by two goals with Ohio State going into the third period of that championship game. The Buckeyes came back and won it in overtime. Well, this time the Gophers were able to, to hang on, able to lock it down. They won 3 nothing. So it's like, okay, we got that one out of the way. Then yesterday in the regional final, they play Minnesota Duluth, the same team that upset them a year ago at Ritter Arena in the regional final. They got that demon out of the way. So maybe now it's, you know, the fact that the last time they were in the national championship game, 2019, they lost to Wisconsin. Maybe we'll be able to put that demon to bed as well uh, uh, on Friday in Duluth. Uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. Jess Myers from the Rink Live joining us this morning on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, Jess, my favorite time of the year is the high school hockey tournament. I, I just love it. Uh, and I've watched, I think, every single one of them since I got here uh, in 2007. But this year's tournament, to me, stands out. It, it was, I think, one of the best, most competitive and compelling tournaments that we've seen in a long time. Uh, it just it kind of from afar, uh, your, your thoughts on it. And I, I just I thought it was just fantastic. It was just such an entertaining tournament. What, is this better than other ones, or am I just making too much out of it? You know, it seems like the tournament just builds on itself every year. You know, there used to be this notion that nobody went to the Class A games and, and the AA tournament was the real tournament. Well, the AA games, you're still getting 17,000, 18,000 people in the building, depending on how busy the fire marshal happens to be that particular day. Uh, but, but, you know, yesterday's Class A final, number one, fantastic hockey game. And credit just to Matamidi for finding, finding a way to, to beat Warroad and to slow down Warroad, which literally no one had done all season. Um, and, and the place was packed. You know, they I know they don't open the upper bowl for that, but, you know, great crowds, enthusiastic, the bands, all of that. And, uh, and, and just, you know, a, a, you know, a Cinderella story, if you want to call a wealthy Twin Cities suburb a Cinderella team in, in Matamidi. Uh, but, but again, you know, Warroad had been having this kind of dream season and had survived in overtime to get to the championship game. You know, I, I, we'll see later today, but I think they have a good chance of bringing home Mr. Hockey when they, when they head back uh, up north later today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's what makes the tournament fun. You know, Warroad's coach is a friend of mine. I texted him this morning, and he, he was honest. He said, this hurts. It really hurts, you know, with a, to have a team like this. That not, you know, you're not promised anything. You're not destined for anything. But to come so close to an undefeated season in a state championship and, and lose it in double overtime, I mean, you know, that just makes for great storylines. As, as much as it hurts these kids, they'll look back years from now and say, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, and I'm a Matamidi guy, so uh, I live in that little area. So I'm I'm happy to see those guys come away. But you know, I do feel bad for World. How about that Minnetonka game with Edina, though? I mean, uh, was, <laughs> now you you probably know the money line and everything. So was I, I assume Edina was probably favored or no? <laughs> well, Min, Minnetonka beat them twice in the regular season. So you know the 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 adage, the cliche, whatever that it's hard to beat a team three times. That was maybe the best thing Edina had going for them. Uh, you know, my my son, who's a very astute hockey observer. 
whatever. I think he's going to be a, a pretty good coach one day. He w- he watched both games yesterday, and he said, you talk about two different styles. You know, Warroad with that throw-the-puck-around kind of pond hockey style with all of that individual talent. And then Sean Goldsworthy at Minnetonka with just an absolute lock it down, stay in your lanes, play your system, you know, know your responsibilities kind of game. So uh, you got to see kind of the best of both worlds yesterday, too. But, hey, good for Minnetonka. Again, you know, uh, another plucky, underdog, wealthy western suburb. But, you know, whatever. We're, 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 we're happy for the kids, right? My son, my son asked me last week, Dad, Dad, who are we rooting for? I go, I don't know. I, I mean, Edina's Edina. Minnetonka, because we're in the western suburbs too. Minnetonka always seems to, to beat us, and they beat Chanhassen uh, at a double overtime game uh, to go to state. So I'm just looking for a good game. It it the, the amount of especially that two A game. I was watching it last night. I'm so impressed with how much these kids dedicate themselves to the defensive portion of the game. It it just seemed to me, and obviously the kids have gotten bigger over the years, but there literally was, especially in that two A game. No room to work last night. I, I, I mean, no. when you stepped into the zone, there was very rarely an open look at the net for either team, Jess. Yep, yep. Well, and, and it's funny you talk about Edina. You know, Michigan's former coach, Mel Pearson, who played for Edina East back in the 70s and, and you know, was a great player there. He texted me before the tournament started and said, hey, is anybody going to root for my Hornets? And, you know, I, I told him <laughs> the, the, the joke that we say every year is the state tournament means the northern teams hate the suburban teams. The suburban teams hate the private schools, and everybody hates everybody Edina. Everybody hates right? Edina. <laughs> But, but, but guys, with that said, I got to give a ton of credit to Edina, to not only their high school program, but their youth hockey program. You look at the, the first ring suburbs in the Twin Cities, you know, in, in the 70s and the 80s, all of them had great hockey programs. All of them seemed to be contenders for, for the state tournament every year. You think of Richfield or Bloomington Jefferson or Bloomington Kennedy or schools like that. And a lot of them have kind of fallen by the wayside as families move further and further out and you get, you know, more young players in your system in places like, you know, Chanhassen that we're seeing upcoming now or Andover or, or you know, the, the little further flung suburbs. Mm-hmm. And Edina among the first ring suburbs is the one place that it's really kind of kept it alive and kept it going. They've got a vibrant youth system. They've got a really good high school system, obviously, a great high school where a lot of people want to go. So, you know, credit to them for, uh, you know, they, they know everybody hates them. We talked to, we talked to Mason Devers from, uh, from the Gophers, whose brother was on that Edina team. Yep. He said, you know, you, you learn to embrace it. You learn to, you learn to love the booze when you come out on the ice <laughs> you know, yeah. and all of that. So, hey, good for them. They, they know their role. They play the villain, but, uh, but they're a pretty good villain. That's, that's the culture that Kirk, Kirk Giles uh, does over there. And, I mean, you want to talk about a coach who's had – success at the high school level uh, over a, a long period of time. Goodness, I don't know that there's many uh, like Kurt Giles. Hey, Jess, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for chatting with us. Always good to have you on. Thanks, Always Jess. to talk hockey. Best time of year. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate it. That Mr. Hockey Award, by the way, uh, gets announced here later on today. number of uh, really, really great hockey players uh, in that lineup. We will step aside, quick, come back, share some more of your memories of Bud Grant. We've got a couple of them coming to the City's One Plumbing Talk and Text Line. If you want to join in, give us a call or a text, 651-461-9226. We'll be back on the huddle on 830 WCCO. <clears throat> Welcome back to the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Jerry, Charlie Weiss. Just had uh, Jess Myers on to talk about the high school hockey tournament, which was just fantastic this year. We return to the topic of Bud Grant passing away yesterday at the age of 95. 
Uh, getting a lot of calls and texts to the Cities One Plumbing Talk and Text Line. We invite you to join the conversation with us, 651-461-9226. We'll be joined by Stu Voigt around the corner here to chat. About- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Bud Grant as well. Colleen from Eden Prairie texts us. She said, I, I love the story. She said, I'm working at Byerly's in Edina in 1979. Coach Grant <laughs> came through to buy two... 50-pound bags of dog food. They were kept near the front of the store. He paid for them, and I asked him if he needed help carrying them out. That earned me a rare smile from him as he put over each bag, a bag over each shoulder, and walked out. (laughs) (laughs) Truly a great man. That's from Colleen in Eden Prairie. Love Mm -hmm. it. Just picture him, right? Hey, do you need help? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'll just sling these right over my shoulder. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, let's go to the phones. Is 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 it Phil that we have online? Charlie, Phil, we have with us. Yep, Phil's uh, online. Wants to share a story about Bud Grant. Phil, good morning to you. Good morning. Yes, my name is Phil. Uh, I I've run into Bud a few times up near his cabin in Gordon, Wisconsin, where I have a cabin as well, and uh, I a small little uh, uh, antique store in this little town. And I walk in there one day. My wife sent me there to pick up a rocking chair she purchased. And I walk in, and there's this fellow sitting in this rocking chair. And I walk in, and I, I greeted him before, but I never make any any big deal. I don't want to bother him as a groupie or a fan. And I just said, hello, bud, how are you? And he said, well, hello. Do, uh, do I know you? Uh, do I need to do anything for you? And I said, no, but I'm just here to pick up a rocking chair. And uh, he said, well, is Margie's chair the one I'm sitting on? And I said, uh, yeah, it is. But uh, you know what? You don't have to get up at all. Let's just visit or I'll just do something else. He said, well, just sit down and visit me for a little bit. This was about three years ago. Wow. And uh, so but I sat down and he said, but there's one thing that we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about the Vikings. We'll talk about hunting and fishing. Fair. So, so we sat and visited and uh, – the one thing a lot of people may not know about Bud 
is that he grew up in Superior, Wisconsin, and Gordon was kind of his playground when he came back from uh, his time in the service. And he told me that they had the best amateur baseball team in the Midwest out of guys from this little town of Gordon, Wisconsin. And uh, my father-in-law was from there, and he was a few years younger than Bud, but he didn't get to play with him, but a couple of his uncles did. And so had a great visit with Bud, very genuine. And when we're all done, he reaches underneath his seat where he's sitting, and he pulls out a, a framed photo. I couldn't see it right away. And he said to me, he said, Phil, it was great visiting with you. I'd like to give you something because I'm trying to get rid of all this stuff I've been carrying around. And he said, I think this might be one of the only ones out there that I, I haven't seen. So he pulls out about an 8 by 12 frame photo of Jim Marshall blindsiding Johnny Unitas. It's ah. an NFL lo- uh, imprinted logo stamp on it. Wow. And uh, he said, you know, you cherish this. It's been great visiting with you. Well, I've got it on my, my bud wall of him in my basement. Awesome. And uh, great story. That's Ooh. awesome. Phil, thanks that for is. sharing. I appreciate that. Thank you. I love yeah. uh, I love the stories. I love the, you know, and you probably, Pete, you know this. He's, he did those garage sales uh, at his yeah. home in Eden Prairie every year. And I, I'm so it's probably one of my biggest regrets that I, I never got to go. And I think people mm-hmm. went, I think a lot of people went just to see what does Bud Grant sell at, at a garage <laughs> sale? You know, and, 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 and well, you, you could, could sit get down and chat with him too. You yeah. Know, that, was a, that was a big draw as I mean, well. The, the Bud really? Grant was just going to be sitting outside of his house. Let's just think about this for a second. Could you ever imagine Mike Zimmer <laughs> sitting at his house, selling things, <laughs> And coming up and say, let's sit down and have a chat. And, and I'm not, listen, this isn't against Mike Zimmer. Could you ever imagine Brad Childress saying, here, come buy some of my stuff. Let's sit down and have a chat. They, they just, yeah. I, I think that ability, and that's probably what made him so likable and so relatable, mm-hmm. is that no matter how big and famous Bud Grant was, he really just thought of himself as a guy who loved football and hunting mm-hmm. and fishing. And that's just mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I want, and I think that's what made him so likable. Yeah, I want to note this real quick. Uh, Phil was talking about, of course, Bud uh, playing for that team up in Gordon, Wisconsin. I noticed uh, Patrick Royce tweeted out a, a little short story about his uh, Bud's time up in Gordon, Wisconsin, saying his compensation uh, for playing for that the town team was eight burial plots in the local cemetery. Yeah. Uh, years later, his son Mike, of course, has said, you know, back then, no kids, but – now all of a sudden you mom and six kids how, how'd you know you'd need eight burial plots and bud answered well i didn't eight was all they'd give me <laughs> i did see that Classic. i did see that i did see that all right yeah. we'll take a quick take, let's take a quick break uh come back and Stu voigt former vikings tight end is going to join us love to chat with him about his time uh, with bud grant that's coming up next on the huddle on a30 wcco Welcome back to the huddle. All day we've been sharing your stories of Bud Grant. Please continue to call and text those to us at 651-461-9226. It's the City's One Plumbing Talk and Text Line. We'll continue to share those as we uh, head towards the top of the hour here at noon. Stu Voigt played for the Vikings, 10 years in the NFL. Phenomenal career. Played for Bud Grant as well and joins us this morning on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Stu, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. 
Well, thank you for having me on. Great, great to chat with you. I, I think I just want to know if I can right out of the gate what your best Bud Grant story is. Do, do you have a favorite story that over the past 24 hours has kind of stuck with you when, when you think about your time with him? Well, I know I've had a lot, a lot of time to think about that. And some of my favorite stories came after uh, I was actually done playing. I was fortunate enough to do the, the Bud Grant show probably right on CCO there. Um, I was doing the radio broadcast for like mm-hmm. 19 years and a lot of fun with Bud. We played racquetball for, I bet, 20 years uh, out at Winter Park when they had the racquetball courts. And, uh, you know, Bud the coach and Bud the man were kind of, uh, they could be uh, quite different. As a coach, uh, you know, patient, common sense approach, didn't say much, kind of had that uh, look of the, the sheriff in town, kind of a gun smoke type uh, authority <laughs> figure. He didn't, he didn't question, he didn't talk to him much. In fact, early in my career, you kind of avoided Bud because those those steely eyes and the, really a situation where he didn't say much a lot of times that kind of put you on the on the defensive. But once I got done playing and got to see him in social situations and with his friends who who became my friends, I think that was the, the fun part. I remember going up to Bay Lake in Minnesota with him and uh, Vern Gagne and a guy named Billy Bai and uh, wow, a bunch, bunch of his friends. And we had a whole weekend there. And uh, Bob McNamara, of course, great go for All-American. And, you know, Bud, uh, among, among his friends and uh, guys he grew up with and went to uh, University of Minnesota with, uh, it was a whole different guy. A lot of fun to be around. It was fun because his his friends his age didn't take a lot of guff from you know bud really got what he wanted when he's coaching because he was the boss but in a social situation with the guys it was a give and take situation and i think i think that's what i enjoyed the most that he was just a good guy good family guy got to know the the kids in the family so um nothing but respect for the guy as a coach of course also you know he's a hall of fame coach no doubt wish we could have won a super bowl for him but um his coaching career you know speaks for itself but as as a guy a really a guy you had fun being around. He, he was never, I would call, a live wire, but uh, fun to be around, enjoyed a joke, sometimes a joke at his expense, and really just a regular guy. <clears throat> Stu, it's great to have you on. It's Pete Nigerian. Hey, and I'll tell you, you, I love, love, love listening. Oh, I appreciate that, man. And as you know, we always called you Hoover because you were like a vacuum cleaner. Uh-huh. When they threw you the ball, man, it was going to get caught. And you were, <laughs> oh, you were, yeah. he, he truly was. Dave, because I know you're younger, Dave, but Stu was one of the guys who really kicked off what tight ends have now become. Uh, I mean, he really was one of those guys who was, you know, an unbelievable receiver, not just a blocker like like tight ends had been. But it's great to have you on. I'll tell you what, the one thing I wonder, Stu, is, is it pretty intimidating when, when you've got a guy who doesn't say a whole lot, he's got those steel blue eyes, and he's just sort of staring you down when you're a player I suppose when you're like 21 years old, that had to be pretty intimidating. Is that right? Well, it, well, it really was, Pete. You get the, you get the gist of things. You would, uh, I would laugh down at Mankato training camp back when the Vikings were at Mankato. A lot of the new rookies and first guys or guys coming to the team for the first year would run up to Bud and want to say hello and shake hands and kind of uh, exchange pleasantries. Bud never, I always would kind of wander close to Bud when those things were happening and he would give him a look like, well, you know, what are you doing? We're not really friends. I'm your coach, and uh, I don't know how. I don't know how. You know, I don't have to know how your family's doing, your kids are doing, because we're going to practice twice a day at Mankato, and uh, uh, you're going to learn to kind of to respect me, and, and in some ways fear 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 me. So, uh, none of that was fun. But as you got to, you know, as you, and of course, I played a lot of veteran players older than myself, the Marshals and the 
Tarkingtons and the Tinglehoffs. And uh, once you got productive for Bud, he treated you very fairly. And I think he always had a patient, common-sense approach, a real um, value in guys not making mistakes. He couldn't stand mistakes and mental errors and not being prepared. But once you got with the program, and guys either you know, got with the program or were in a different location or in a different line of work, um, then mm-hmm. things worked smoothly. Our training camps and our uh, team locker rooms were, were very low, uh, low drama, not too much going on. Every once in a while there was something, nothing – Nothing bizarre like happens today in today's professional sports world, and some of that has, I'm sure, to do with the money involved. But um, business as usual, you knew what you knew. You knew the practice routine, you knew the travel routine, and you had to buy into it, or uh, but find another spot for you. <laughs> That's the voice of Stu Voigt, former Vikings tight end, joining us this morning on the John Schuster Coldwell Blanker Banker Hotline. Uh, Stu, <laughs> I. I've heard many stories and read many stories about how Bud handled things when things didn't go well. And, and, and what I mean by that is he wasn't the kind of guy to call anybody out in the media. He, he would never do that. He, he would handle things behind closed doors. Is, is that truly what happened? Do you remember or recall a time where uh, Bud needed to take care of something, needed to address something? And, and if you do, how did that happen? How did he do that that garnered such respect? Well, first of all, I think Bud had a nice system in place, which uh, which worked for the Vikings. He uh, delegated some of that stuff. Of course, we had great assistant coaches, uh, some of Bud's uh, from his coaching tree, the Bob Holloways and the uh, Jack Pateras and the Neil Armstrongs uh, all went on to be head coaches. And Pete Carroll was around once, and I think uh, as a coach, and he knew how to pick assistants. So they did a lot of the on-the-field coaching, but also – he appointed, uh, and we had great leadership, the Grady Aldermans and the Mick Dingelhoffs, and, of course, the great Jim Marshall. They had a lot of the in-clubhouse-type uh, in problems of guys uh, getting out, of, you know, not doing their job on the field and in practice or off-the-field uh, transgressions those uh, or attitudes. They were adjusted quickly by these uh, older players, and I think that system worked pretty well um, for the Vikings that era. Of course, that was a different era. That was uh, – you know, not not many guys bucked the system, and not many guys. Uh, uh, you wanted to play with the Vikings because uh, we went to the playoffs all the, the eleven years that I played. That uh, uh, we went to the playoffs, I think missed it only one time in nineteen seventy two. So that meant extra paychecks and uh, extra uh, media attention. So this was a place you want to play and you want to stay because obviously there's other teams that weren't doing as well in the in the NFL, but. Uh, this was kind of, I think Bud featured this as this is a place you want to play, and if you play hard, you know, be practicing every day and stay, uh, you know, you really put a, a very high value on durable players. I mean, you didn't miss games, and uh, practices always are structured in a certain way that uh, got the most out of the players. So the system worked, and uh, if it wasn't broke, you don't have to fix it. For years and years, it just kind of rolled on. What a great dynamic duo it was with he and 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 uh, and his and and Jerry Burns. I mean, it was Jerry was about as big a character as you could ever find, and then you had Bud who kind of stood in the back with a little bit quieter sort of approach. So, it probably was a good marriage in terms of the offensive coordinator and head coach. Is that the way you look at it, Stu? The the relationship that they had. Oh, Pete, you're exactly right. And those offensive meeting rooms, of course, Jerry ran the show, and he was. Uh, he was a really, you know, one of those unforgettable characters, and and quote, of course, got along with Bud, and they were absolutely 
diametrically apart as far as personalities. <laughs> Jerry, very feisty, and uh, and then you throw in some uh, characters, whether uh, it be a Fran Tarkington or some of the other guys that uh, Bud actually sat at the end of the room and Del- at the end of the, uh, he always sat in with the offensive group and at uh, he'd sit in the back, didn't say much, and uh, Jerry, of course, would go on and on and get all bent out of shape or different things. And it, 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 it worked. And then they had a great line coach by the name of John Michaels, who coached for years and years. Oh, yeah. But staff stayed in stayed in uh, tax for a number of years. Of course, uh, fans might not realize when I started, Bud Grant just had uh, three offensive assistants, three defensive assistants, and and himself. So uh, nothing like the twenty man staffs they have today. So it was uh, <laughs> it worked. And and these guys were all lived in uh, Bloomington and uh, uh, were neighbors, but uh, but I don't think they socialized much and. And a lot of the guys, you know, he, the system was in place. It was tweaked here and there, and the game got faster and faster as we went along and more passing. But uh, really, in in the 70s, it was a game, you know, if you knew the system and you fit into it and you would not make mistakes, and, you you know, there were no off-season training camps or anything like that. You, you, you were um, encouraged to stay in shape year-round, but uh, hmm. there was no off-season uh, training and stuff like that. Maybe a few little letters from our trainer Fred Zambrelletti at the time who would tell you to do some push-ups and sit-ups and nothing like uh, nothing like what's going on today so uh, and and I guess that there was that I think that was the pleasure too you were playing next to guys I I stood three feet away from Ron Yeri and Grady Alderman or Steve Riley for 11 years and knew exactly what they were thinking and what I was thinking and mm-hmm. I think that worked you know now it, of course the game has changed quite a bit it's kind of like the NBA on cleats because it's so high scoring, but these were a lot of games that came down to one or two plays, a lot of a lot of seventeen to fourteen games, and um, the fans loved it. And of course, uh, we played in a great atmosphere at the old Met, and uh, terrific fans. And it was, it was a really, I think, the glory era of uh, Viking football. It, it absolutely was, Stu. Uh, what mm-hmm. were training camps like with with Bud Grant at the helm? I, I I've heard some stories, but I would love to know know the truth of it. Was it as intense, both physically and mentally, as what I've heard? Well, as I look back, yeah, you know, when you're in training camp, it you're down in Mankato, and it's uh, the, the kind of the dog days of summer where it's going to be 90 degrees out there. And I always get a kick out of. It. I listen to uh, a guy who used to be uh, on radio in, in Twin Cities, Rod Trongard. He was working down in Mankato <laughs> on the radio, and then they would say the cattle warnings where. Get the cattle in the barn. It's too hot to pray, too hot to have them on the field. And the Vikings would go two days with pads on <laughs> in the morning and afternoon. And of course, then we'd go to Jake's. I think it's called Jake's Stadium Bar or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, afterwards, and you drink a pitcher of beer just to get your fluids back up. And uh, meeting at night, and you know, it was it was hard work, but it was kind of uh, I don't know if it was a chain gang mentality or whatever that uh, I think we realized as we progressed and got to working as a unit, I mean, it was hard for everybody. And you kind of, if one guy was having a down day, you, you pulled him up by his bootstraps. But uh, it all worked. That, that spirit of core that, uh, of a team came together. And you, you could see it over the years that uh, you'd start with something every year and you'd, you'd work. And, and, of course, the dividends paid off. You realize that if you do things this way, but the Bud Grant way, chances are better that uh, you're going to be a playoff team. And, of course, you fought like crazy to make some of that playoff money because uh, – our salaries were uh, a big night out on the town for present-day players. You know that was a yearly salary. So if you get to the Super Bowl and make about twenty thousand extra money, 
you know, I, I, my theory was, who do I have to kill to get that? <laughs> <laughs> Stu, it's so great to hear your voice, man, and thank you very much for everything you do with us. Real One last real quick question. So I, I always told people the camps at the, at the Minnesota Vikings, the one difference was they weren't there to get you necessarily in shape. Bud looked at you and said, look, you come here in shape or you're most likely going to find yourself somewhere else. It was very interesting, but it was a great approach, and it certainly worked for Bud. Do you think that would still work today? Well, you know, now with when you kind of just rent your players because of the free agency and the different uh, salary caps and all that, I don't recall any of that stuff. And I think also Bud, I think what he was, with his patient common sense approach, he says, don't worry about things you don't have control of. You know, you can control yourself being in shape when you come to camp. Every year there were no uh, no cut contracts. At least I wasn't aware of those. That you had to win your position. But he gave he gave veterans the benefit of the doubt, and he realized that uh, you put uh, you know what they used to say the eye in the sky don't lie, and that was that your works on film. You filmed everything. You talked about it. I mean, there were no uh, sacred cows as, as far as if you're not playing well either a player next to you or the coach or God forbid, Bud would come up and say, you know, that, uh, that's not working here. And, uh, if it, just like when he used to come up behind me and you wore your hair a little longer, he'd grab the back of your hair and not say a word. And that's just, that was unwritten law. That meant hair's too long. Get a cut. <laughs> and, uh, and that, that, that was Bud. And he was, uh, and, but the beauty was, and I bought into that system, hook, line and sinker all 11 years. But afterwards, when you get him as, as a guy around town and doing things on the racquetball court, you know, Bud was a fantastic athlete, of course. He uh, yeah. played with the world champion Lakers, and he was kind of a – I'm from Wisconsin, as he is, and he's kind of a legend around pitching what we used to call town baseball around uh, these different towns, picking up $50 here and there. You know, Bud was a, a guy that, had, that knew the value. Pete will appreciate that. He knew the value of uh, a dollar. You know, he didn't uh, – you yep. could have been on those shows with you and your brother John, where you're talking about uh, what the dollar's doing, because I think he knew probably exactly what he had in his wallet every uh, every day. But um, quite a guy, you know. As a coach, Bar, you know, Mar Dunn is Hall of Famer, but as a guy, uh, I really enjoyed being around him, and uh, I miss him terribly. We had a nice uh, NFL alumni dinner about a week before he died, and he was there, and we were talking about the kind of a 50 year reunion of the '73. Super Bowl team coming up, so he was talking, and uh, uh, the crowd loved him. Of course, you could just see the idolization, you know, how they idolized the fans, idolized Bud uh, by the response of the crowd. That was the last time I talked to him, and uh, man, that will forever stick with me. Stu Voigt, mm-hmm. I, I listen. I could listen to both of you go back and forth on stories. Well, all day I bet you're having a thrilled. great show because they're, they're this guy. Uh, I think I hope I I separate the coach from the guy, but both. Yeah. A Hall of Fame coach, obviously, and a Hall of Fame guy. So uh, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Yeah, but he had a he, boy. He had a if he had a full full life. So I think yeah, he uh, did. He did. Somewhere he's yep. smiling at us. Stu, yep. thanks so much for taking some right, time guys. to join us this morning. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you anytime. All Good right, Stu Voigt, former Vikings tight end. What's well, just some great stories? Uh, we'll step aside and take one more break, and we'll put a wrap on the show coming up next. Welcome back to the huddle. We've been sharing some great stories. Just had a fantastic conversation with Stu Voigt. If you missed it, of course, you can get our uh, podcasts on the free Odyssey app or wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts. The first hour is up. The second hour with Stu will be up uh, in just a little while. Uh, just uh, 
the stories we hear over and over, Pete, uh, they're, they're coming through on the message mm-hmm. line, uh, the Cities One Plumbing Talk and text line. We've had some great calls. We've shared some. Um, it just, a, you know, it's it's a loss, right? It's it's a it's a mm-hmm. terrible loss uh, because uh, he represented the Vikings. I mean, he was mm-hmm. the Vikings. He was everything yeah. that that team embodied. If there was ever, a, you know, other than Victor the Viking, if there was an epitome of what a Viking <laughs> was, it was Bud Grant. One hundred percent agree. I mean, think of all the years that he was the head coach and the fact that he had four Super Bowls. I realize he didn't win them, but that's okay. I mean, imagine what he really did accomplish as a as a grandfather, as a father, yes. as a husband, as a you know, all of those other things and on the field and in basketball and in the NFL and the and the University of Minnesota. I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, just a a really special individual uh, that'll be missed, but he lived a wonderful life and I think we should celebrate that. 95 good years. We could all be so lucky. Have a great week, Pete. We'll see you next Sunday, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Huddle. Have a great one. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.